I need to let you know something. I took another assessment of myself. Any ever, anybody ever take personality assessments? Raise your hand, take personality assessments. Are you ever shocked by them? You're like, oh, I knew that. I literally am perfect. This is crazy. Even the thing says it. Anybody ever? No. Okay. No, it didn't say that about me. It did tell me something about myself, though, that I inherently kind of, um, I think I knew. Uh, I like to look at the big picture. I like to look at things like, okay, why are we doing this? And this is the motivation for why we're doing it. We're going to keep doing it because we're motive. This is the motivation. The motivation doesn't change. So in the past week and a half, I found that out again about reinforced something. So I need you to understand that I think that way going into what I'm getting ready to talk to you about. Because um, one of the things that drives me the most crazy is when people change the motivation for something halfway through. I just, ah, oh, man, it, you're going to find out a funny story. Um, I think Christmas is still Christmas. Amen? No matter what year it is and no matter what's going on around it, Christmas is still Christmas. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Why don't you stand one more time? I won't ask you to stand anymore until the, uh, until the end. Matthew chapter 1, we'll start in verse 18. This is, um, well, Matthew himself says this. Now the birth of Christ Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. I think this is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. Right here, this comma, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then I'd like to read to you 1 Timothy chapter 1, just one verse, verse 15. It says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that we still live in a world. We still live in a place that we can gather together like this and look into your word. You said every time we would do that, it has a power to renew our minds. So we pray during this Christmas season, God, you would do just that. Or change the way we think. Refocus our hearts on you today. And Lord, with the chaos that is this year, we pray that we wouldn't lose the original meaning, the original motivation for Christmas. We thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray that you would do just that. Change us today. In Christ's name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Many of you know the Christmas story. Mary finds herself pregnant in an unconventional way, let's say. And the angel comes to her and makes the announcement. Uh, But how many of you know when God does something special in your life, 
uh, it's easy for you to grab hold of it, but sometimes it's hard for you to convince everybody else. So Mary happened to be pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph. He was seemed to be a good, upstanding guy. And when he found out that she was pregnant, he, um, he decided he was going to do something uh, quiet. Wasn't going to embarrass her, but he was just going to divorce her quietly. How many wives here know that it's only by an angel of the Lord that sometimes your husbands are convinced of things? I won't go anywhere else with that, but an angel came to Joseph and he said, hey, don't, don't do what you're thinking. I stay with her. She's not lying. This is real. And you can imagine a couple of young people trying to walk through that whole thing would have been pretty traumatic. But the angel said something extremely important to Joseph. He didn't say, hey, we'll figure out what this kid's going to do after he's born. We'll figure out what's going to happen. You know, we'll play it as, you know, we'll just kind of play it by ear. He specifically tells Joseph, you will name him Jesus. And he is coming to save his people from their sins. Sounds like a mission statement, doesn't it? It Sounds like the vision of why Jesus was being born. Sounds kind of solid. There was, there was no wiggle room in there. Jesus will come and save the people from his sins and do a couple other cool things that he'll determine later. There's one singular focus in the birth of Jesus. There was no ambiguity on the first Christmas night. There was no wondering, what is this child going to be or what is he supposed to grow up to do? Like most parents, when you have your first child, you're wondering, what are they going to become? By the time you have your third, you're like, oh, they'll make it. It's, um, it's kind of curious that Jesus was predestined to be who he was and there was no, there was no moving that around. There was no changing it. There was no, there's no messing with it. Every detail of Jesus' birth was on purpose for the benefit of those who would call him savior. I want you to think about this. Jesus was born into a regular family with no position or fame. We're talking about God himself coming to earth. And the way he chose to do it was in a way that would relate to most of the people on the planet. 99% of the people on the planet, even today, are not royalty. I told the first service, if if I'm correct in here, there's probably no princes in this room. No princesses. I didn't say you didn't act like it. I said there were no princesses. I've done enough weddings to know they're here. (laughs) But you don't have the title. There's no kings in this room. There's probably no royalty. Just normal people. Say amen if there's normal people here. Amen. See a couple people nudging. He doesn't know about us. (laughs) Calm down. You're in Hedgesville. Truth of the matter is, two-thirds of the world doesn't even live like we live. Having what we have is the farthest thing from their mind. Being royalty is not even a concept that they could even that they, they could even grasp. Having a position is not something that most of the world, 90% of the world could even fathom. And so Jesus, when God said he so loved the world... That he sent his only son. He sent him in a way that the whole world could relate to him. 
just to a regular family. He didn't send him to a to you know a couple with a yacht. He did not that that's bad, but he just sent him to normal people. Send him to people who didn't have a lot of money. Send him to people who were just packing stuff up to go to a go to a census, to go to the town that the husband was from. And and I was thinking about that little manger scene there. It would have been really nice if Joseph had a pop-up manger deal. Like, like then you were, you know, he could have been like glamping like we do nowadays. Hmm. Everything. In every way that Jesus was born and lived was for the sole purpose of relating to us. Think about that. It, he was God. He could have showed up however he wanted. He could have showed up with, with a gold robe on. He could have showed up as, a, as an adult. He could have showed up, he could have showed up just bang instantly and started making all these decrees about how everybody was going to operate. But he came as a baby. Came as a baby and grew up. Grew up like a toddler, grew up like a, an adolescence in his late teens. He grew up in his early 20s. And the Bible says that he experienced all the same stuff that we experienced. Hey, can I, can I just let you know, you are tempted by the same things that people 2,000 years ago were tempted by. That's why the Ten Commandments are still relevant. Yeah. That's why nobody's saying, man, those Ten Commandments don't work anymore. I've never thought about killing anybody this week. It's the same sin. There's no new sin. It's just different ways to play that old sin out. So when when the Bible says that we have a Savior who knows what we experience, it's because he grew up like we did. I like to think me and Jesus got a lot in common. We both grew up poor. He did it so that we could relate to him. It was on purpose. Because the motivation for why he was coming was absolutely clear. The motivation was crystal clear. Why was he coming? He was coming to save the world. So if he's coming to save the world, how do I do that? I do it the most effectively by coming to the world a certain way. I'm going to come to regular people. Jesus even told the disciples this in Matthew chapter 20 verse 25. But Jesus called to them, called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be, would be first must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So 30 years after his birth, he's still saying the motivation hadn't changed. 30 years, the motivation hadn't changed. If you've been married 30 years, the motivation's changed a thousand times. Even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He entered the world in the home of servants. People with no position or standing that would ultimately serve someone else's purpose. And Jesus came not to serve his own purpose, but to serve the father's. And so from the day he took his first breath to the day he breathed his last, the motivation never changed. It's the real motivation for Christmas. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
in every way, Jesus could relate to us. Temptation as a teenager. Temptation as a young adult. Do I obey my parents? Do I not obey my parents? Jesus walked through the same steps of growing. But the motivation was always the same. Matter of fact, he wasn't even anything special to look at, the Bible says. Isaiah 53, 2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was a normal-looking human being. But the reason Jesus came not as a movie star, the reason he didn't come as royalty, the reason he didn't come as anything to look at is because that's all religion was focused on at that time. Like you see the different sects of religious leaders, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees and the, and, the, and the scribes and the Sadducees, all these C's. They were all worried about what they looked like on the external. They could be as wicked as you could imagine inside, but playing the role of righteousness on the outside. When Jesus came, there, you wouldn't even have noticed him except for the purity of heart. And so over and over again, you hear him challenging the people in authority that it's not what you look like, it's what is in your heart. So it's not that you just didn't murder somebody. If you hate them, it's the same way. So he kept taking it from an external appearance thing to an internal heart thing because the motivation hadn't changed. Why did he come? Not to look saved, but to save everybody. And I can tell you right now, there's a big difference. So the motivation hadn't changed. The motivation for Christmas 2,000 years ago was that God sent his only son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? God sent Jesus that first Christmas so that we could be saved this Christmas. 2,000, over 2,000 years separating these two events and the motivation has never changed. Think about it. Why is he here? To save the world. To seek and save those that are lost. The motivation hasn't changed. The motivation, look at your neighbor and say, it's the same motivation. This is important. I need you to get this. The motivation hadn't changed. So watch. Watch what happens. Anybody, um, anybody ever watch this, the, the show, TV show, Alone? Anybody? Oh, great. There's more of you in this service, so it'll make sense. Last service was like, ah. Uh, we became uh, giant fans of, of that show, and we watched it a lot. And um, remember I told you I'm a big picture person. So a lot of times I don't get confused in the details. I, I like to back up and say, are, are, is everything still working together? Are we doing it for the right reason? Are we doing it for the, is the motivation the same? Remember, motivation never changed. So we started watching this show. It, w- it was I was enamored by it because if you haven't watched the, the show on TV, the gist of it is this, that there's 10 people and they're given 10 items and they literally drop them off in the middle of nowhere with no other human contact by themselves and whoever stays the longest out there getting their own food, killing it, gathering it, however they eat it, their own shelter, their own everything with these 10 items that they're allowed to select, then they win a half a million dollars. I don't know about any other guy in the room, but I'm always sitting on the couch going, I wonder if I could do that. 
I mean, I'm tough. So, watch the first show. They parade. Every season they parade all these people in front of the camera. And they start asking them, why would you go out here and do this? One after another, they'll say, well, you know what? My family's in a hard spot right now. And this half a million dollars could change our lives. And I told my wife and kids that your dad is going out there, going to change things. Yeah. Your other was like, my parents are so good to me. I'm going to, I'm going to buy them a house with this money. It was all about the money. You do realize some things are about the money. Yeah. That's why you work. It's not to change your life. It's to make the money. So I'm totally fine with that, by the way. Amen? If you're going on the game show to win the money, I'm happy for you. Win the money. The trouble is about the fifth episode in. I'm sitting there. My wife's sitting beside me. We're just glued to the television. People are eating things you shouldn't eat. They're doing things you shouldn't be doing as humans. There's just, you're like, oh, this is real. Then you hear it. First of all, they make the mistake of taking a picture of their family with them, which I'm not sentimental. I would never do that. Why would I want to look at the people I'm missing every day? So they start pulling out pictures of their family. Tears start falling. They start saying, oh, you know, I've had a lot of time to think and I've become a new man. And I've, I've really changed what's happening in my life. And, and, and I'm a new person and I've, I've got a new outlook and I've really had like a reformation take place in this last week out here on this, on this island by myself. And it's just totally different. I'm a different person and my family can't wait to see me. And so I'm going to go back a new man. I am literally screaming at the TV at this point. Bro, your family's going to be disappointed because you quit early and didn't bring the money back. Your wife doesn't care that you're a new man. You're still broke. Anybody else? Anybody else? Any ladies in the house going, don't come back until you get the money. Can we just be honest? You didn't go there to, to meet your new self. You didn't go there to have conversations. So nobody can, you went for the money. But there's other people on that show. Oh man. There was a guy one year had lost like 80, 90 pounds. They drug him off the island and he was like, I'm not leaving. They're like, if we leave you out here, you're going to die. He's like, I'm getting the money. <laughs> Stay, bro. Stay. Be better off for you to be dead with a valiant effort than to return to your family without the prize. Is it just me? Sometimes I think we've done that with Christmas. I just explained to you that God of all creation never changes his motivation for anything. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we like to only use that when it's talking about blessing us. What that really means is that God never changes the why he, for why he does things. 
God isn't fickle. God doesn't, God doesn't wake up one morning in a bad mood and go, I'm not doing it for this anymore. God doesn't keep looking at pictures of your family going, I'm just a new man. What he sets in place, Job figured this out. He said no plan of his can be thwarted. That doesn't mean no plans in the next six months. That means no plans in the next thousand years. Because God never changes his motivations. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he wakes up today and it's a little bit different, he doesn't freak out and go, oh, we got to change everything. The reason he sent Jesus over 2,000 years ago is the same reason today. It hadn't changed. But the trouble is, the longer we're on the island, the more we change the motivation for why we stay. Talked to you last week about the prosperity gospel. Now we could have peace in our in every circumstance, and and God coming didn't ensure that every circumstance would be great, but it would ensure that every circumstance you could have the opportunity for peace. And this is the same thing. Jesus really did not come to Earth to make sure everybody was healed. You don't have to say Amen for it to be true. Healing was a result, was an added benefit of his death and resurrection. It wasn't the motivation for him going to the cross. Oh, come on. Restoration of relationships was an added benefit of him dying and resurrecting. Not the original motivation for him going to the cross. Because if we go all the way back to when the angel came to Joseph... And we know that God never changes his mind about those things. When he came to Joseph, he said, call him Jesus because he's going to save this people from their sins. Not inconveniences, not their crappy job, not their terrible relationships. He said from their Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. So watch this. What we do with Christmas is we say things like, well, I've been praying that God would make this Christmas. You fill in the blank. I've been praying that God would do this this Christmas. And then if it doesn't happen, somehow Christmas is less meaningful. Yeah. Somehow, if he doesn't add the, you know what, I figured out, uh, I've had Christmases where I've gotten a very little amount of things and I've had Christmases where I've gotten a lot of things that I actually wanted. Let's make that clear. (laughs) Jesus was the same in both Christmases. Yeah. I've had Christmases where I was not sure about the future and I've had Christmases where I was absolutely confident about the future. You know what I figured out? Jesus was the same in both Christmases. You know what? I've had Christmases where I didn't feel really good and then I've had Christmases where I felt great. Jesus was the same in both Christmases. I've had Christmases where my kids woke me up early, devil, and I've had Christmases where they let me sleep in. Guess what I figured out? Jesus was the same in both Christmases. What we do is we tend to tie our happiness and success to whether Jesus is successful or not. Come on. So what happens is this, is we say, well, has anybody ever heard anybody say that? I tried that Jesus thing one time. Yeah. And I want to say to him, which part, the part that he saves you and gives you eternal life. You tried that. You tried that. He saved you and gave you eternal life thing. 
how'd that work out? You're not dead yet. Okay. So you're not even sure if it didn't work. What they're saying is, I tried Jesus to get what I wanted and that didn't work out. Okay, let's be honest with each other. It'd be terrible to lie to each other at Christmas time, wouldn't it? Just to make ourselves feel good. No, what we say is, I tried the church thing, I tried the Jesus thing, and it didn't work. What that means was, I went to Santa Claus with my list and he didn't bring it that year. I went to him with all the things I wanted. I wanted healing. I wanted prosperity. I wanted everybody to like me. Get over that one really quick. I wanted, um, I wanted my family to be perfect. I wanted all these things. I wanted it to look like a Hallmark Christmas. Ooh. Can't believe I haven't said that. Wow. <laughs> Felt a little thing coming up in my throat. <laughs> And then when he doesn't do that, he's less of a savior than he was 2,000 years ago. His motivation hadn't changed. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. If we change the motivation for why we came to him, we quit early as well. Oh, I need you to get this church. Listen, every time we watch that show, I would look at my wife. And as soon as they brought out the family picture, they were allowed to take a picture. You'd see him. They would build like a log cabin. They'd have tons of food. They'd have everything they needed to stay there and get the money. And they would start looking like, oh, I miss my family so much. I miss this. I mean, I've had this time to come to myself and I know I'm a better person. You didn't go there to become a better person. You came to get the money. As soon as they started talking like that, I'd look at the family. I go, they're going to quit. They're going to quit early. They're going to quit early and they are not going to be prepared for the shame that they have to face when they get back to their, you did what? You could have lived out there two years and you gave up because you wanted to hug us? Whatever you, you, whatever you are walking through right now is not even remotely close to being worth giving up. I don't care what's stirring in you. I don't care what disappointment you have. I don't care what you're suffering through. I don't, it's not that I don't care. What I'm trying to explain to you is that it's not worth giving up. It's not worth calling it quits. It's not worth, it's not worth changing the motivation because if Jesus came so that we could experience eternal life, then that is yet to be experienced in your future. If you went on the show to win half a million dollars and you're, and the only thing that's keeping you from getting there is your disappointment and your emotions, then why would you ever quit? So what happens is we gather together at Christmas and we're like, you know what? This is not the Christmas I planned on. COVID-19. It's not the Christmas we planned on, is it? Or have to manage whether our jobs are going to be there. We have to have to manage whether we can have the grandparents over, whether we manage about whether we're going to wear a mask at dinner or not wear a mask at dinner. Are we going to, what are we going to do? Are we going to go to church or we're not going to go to church? Are we going to watch online, not watch? What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to, we got our neighbors that don't like us because we don't wear a mask and they don't, our neighbors like, don't like us because we do wear a mask. This is not the Christmas I wanted. Yep. Sure is. But should that really change our motivation for celebrating it? 
God said, name him Jesus because he's going to save you from your sins. Name him Jesus. 2,000 years later, the church gathers together. And a lot of times we're stomping our feet because Jesus isn't who we think he is. And it's not that God changed anything, it's that we changed. We changed the motivation for why we worship him. We changed the motivation for why we celebrate. We changed it and a lot of people quit early. A lot of people quit early because, well, this isn't working out the way I wanted it to. Remember the apostle Paul, if anybody's life could be written down as not turning out the way he expected, it would have been him. But he met Jesus on the way to a place called Damascus one day and it transformed his life. And Paul was a big picture thinker. Paul could back up out of a scenario and and put it into context better than anybody I've ever read. He could say, this is why this is happening. Don't be embarrassed about me being locked up. It's fine. This is because Jesus is saving people. Don't, don't, don't be upset about me suffering because this is to advance the gospel. And he can do that over and over and over again. And all the way to the end of his life, he writes to the Philippians. He said, I'll put all that stuff behind me. The one thing I do is I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He had a singular focus in his life and it caused him to never give up. Now, now there were moments where he thought he wanted to, but he would always come back to that one thing. This is why I keep going. God hasn't changed his mind about me and I'm not going to change my mind about God. So I'm going to keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward. And so Paul didn't change his motivation. Served him all the way to the end. Jesus didn't change his motivation, went all the way to the cross. He had plenty of opportunity. The Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if there's any other way to do this, I'd be up for it. When he found out, solidified in his heart, this is why he sent me. I'm going to the end. You know what I would be so happy to see? All of us at the end. Wouldn't it be a great thing? Wouldn't it be a great thing to solidify in your heart this Christmas season? Whether it turns out exactly like you want, whether you're sick or not, whether you're suffering or not, whether everything's going the way you want it or not, or whether you get to have the Christmas with your family you wanted to or not. Why wouldn't we solidify? He came to save me. He came to save me. Even more so at this time with all the chaos. He came to save me. Maybe the realization will hit you that he came to save your neighbor as well. He came to save that person that's been smacking you around on Facebook as well. He came to save that person you've been smacking around on Facebook as well. He came to seek and save those that are lost. Never changing the motivation. So what do we need to do? We need to realize that we need to be the same way he was. If he never changed the motivation, we can't because it impacts other people. It's the same this time as it was the last time. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. Paul writes this to the Philippian church. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was 
in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's unbelievable how you can't separate Easter from Christmas. You can't. Because the motivation was the same all the way through the 33 years of Jesus' life. So now Paul's writing about to the Philippians and he says, listen, if you can do anything, have that same mindset that you will walk through anything, even to the point of death. You think about it just the way Jesus thought about it. This is why he sent me. Could give you clarification for your life. This is why he came and this is my responsibility with it. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on him the name that is above every name. So that at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that what? He's a savior. To the glory of God the Father. I think we've kind of missed something. Christmas is less about what we have here and more about where we're going. Man. I need you to maybe reframe it a little bit. The way Jesus thought about it. The way Paul thought about it. Jesus didn't think I'm stuck on the earth. He said I'm going to the earth to save it. And even if they killed him, he wasn't stuck. By the way, whatever circumstance you're in right now, you're not stuck either. Because God didn't create you to live in that circumstance. He created to deliver you from all circumstances. Now watch this. God saved you not for this life, but for the next one. Did you hear me? So, I know there's probably firemen watching. We had a couple in the first service, and they're going to recommend that you don't do this. I think it would be really neat. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm not sentimental. So we have a tree that we just pull up out of the basement every year. And we stick it up in the thing. And uh, my wife has been very gracious towards me about this. I'm just like, oh, look, there's three ornaments on it. That's Christmas spirit enough. So we don't do the, I mean, the real tree thing. You got to go cut it down. Haul it to your house. Sweep up all the needles. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> what other season of year do we bring dead trees into our house and celebrate? But for this Christmas season, I think I'm going to recommend we do something different. Not me, but all of you. We've already got our tree. <laughs> if you've got a real tree, you should go get a real tree. Put it in your, you know how beautiful they are. They smell like pine. But don't take it down until all the needles are off of it. Just leave it. Like a little Charlie Brown deal. If it takes till April, it'd be worth it. When neighbors come in like, dude, what's with the tree? We're waiting on it to fully die. It's a great experience. It's a lesson for the kids. Why are we keeping the tree? I'm trying to teach you about death here, son. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. Depends on how hot the heat gets. 
This Christmas season, I think the needles falling off the tree is a sign to tell us that we weren't designed to live here a long time. God didn't save you to give you the perfect life here. God didn't save you to keep you from dying here. God didn't save you so that you live on this earth for eternity. God saved you to be with him for eternity. God saved you so that you would not perish but have everlasting life. That doesn't mean we all get healed and never die. That means we get to spend eternity in heaven. And so when I watch the leaves fall off, and that's why I'm glad we live in a place where all the leaves fall off every year. When I watch that, it reminds me that I wasn't saved for here. The motivation for saving me was to take me there with him. Paul said, "Should I, if I live, it's Christ. But if I die, that's actually a good thing. That's actually a gain for me, he said. To die is gain. Think about how much we've changed the motivation. Paul writes a couple thousand years ago, man, if I die, I'm with him. And that's a desire that I can't wait to see fulfilled. But now we say, Lord, if you don't heal me, you're not real. We've changed the motivation. And when the church changes the motivation, we quit early, we become ineffective, we, 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 we get flaky, we get all weirded out. And Jesus is just saying, hey, come back to the reason I saved you. Of this Christmas, of all Christmases, come back to the reason I saved you. Come back to the original reason. The band's going to come up. We're going to end with this. So here's the truth. If I keep the real motivation, what it's supposed to be, I'm not fooled by the modern day prosperity deal. Here's the truth. I can be sick and still saved. Amen? And God is just as much God as he was when I was healthy. Amen? I can have just a fulfilling Christmas if I'm sick. I can be poor and still saved. Hey. I can be poor and still saved. It's got nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, most of the world is poor. And they can still be saved. I can be betrayed and still saved. I can be suffering a betrayal right now and still be saved. God is no less God. If I'm suffering right now, I'm still saved. So I don't know what you're walking through. This this might be the perfect Christmas for you. You're like, hey, nobody can come over the house. I win. Or the reality might be maybe the ditch, deepest ditch you've ever found yourself. I need you to understand something. God still saves. I'm not being flippant. I'm not, I'm not saying what you're walking through doesn't matter. I'm saying if you change the motivation, you'll quit. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it wasn't hard on that TV show to stay the longest and win the half a million dollars. But I'm saying the only people that did it were the people that didn't change the motivation. And I'm saying this Christmas, the worst thing the church could do is say, we don't know what's happening. We don't know why God let this happen. I don't know why this is happening in my life. I don't know. 
No, the best thing we could do at this Christmas, no matter how high a mountain you're on or how low a ditch you're in, is to say, you know what? I came to Christ two minutes ago or 40 years ago, and it's the same reason today as it was back then. Jesus never changed his motivation, and I'm not going to either. So whether I'm healed, whether I'm not healed, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm not well-fed, whether I'm rich or poor, he has saved me, and that's what I'm celebrating. Amen? Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray that over you. The fact is that a resurrected Savior knows everything that touches you. And He cares about it. He's not ignoring it. But He's asking you to trust Him this morning. The same God that sent Jesus to die on the cross still wants you to experience eternal life with Him still wants to save you above all else that's going on, still wants a relationship with you. That's his main motivating factor in all that happens. So I'm going to plead with you this morning, don't change your mind. And all the chaos, the political chaos, the, the pandemic chaos, all the stuff that's happened. Let's look at the big picture. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to save us. So whatever you're walking through right now, if you can proclaim that he has saved you, you are an overcomer. You won. You're going to stick it out all the way to the end. You're going to make it. He said he will He will complete what he started in you. He said he will make sure you get all the way to the end. If you won't change your mind, if you will stay in the game, he said, I'll, I'll empower you enough to walk through whatever you have to walk through to get all the way to the end, and I'll make sure it happens. Yeah.